Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 181, mini version of the real thing. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Malcolm as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you, Alex. Malcolm and I just hit it off right off the bat. We bonded on everything from cheese to corners of table. No, I'm kidding. Just other things in life we bonded on, but it's a great start. So I'm glad to have Malcolm here. He's going to talk about his hobby. But before we do that, I do this thing where I always ask the cliche question because I'm that kind of person. Who is Malcolm? Me? Well, yeah. So we also bonded about sheep, but I noticed you didn't mention that. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, yes, uh, we did. Um, my name's Malcolm. I am 44 years old. I live in the United Kingdom. Uh, I have lived here all my life. I was born in the south of England, and I now live uh, west of London, about 20 miles west of London, with my wife and two lovely young daughters. Um, th- then they are uh, seven and 11. So I am a very busy man. I'm a stay-at-home dad by trade. And I um, uh, volunteer for a, a charity and I do podcasting and my hobby is scale model making. You know, I loved all of that. That's perfect. And you mentioned you do a charity. You just briefly touched that. So it's almost as if you knew what I was going to ask next. It's almost wow, as if I? I couldn't I couldn't tell how you could tell. But my next question is, do you have any projects, charity, websites, podcasts per se that you would love to share with the listeners? I absolutely would. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um I, I I so I run a a small charity in the UK and it's called Models for Heroes. And what we do is we provide model making kits and resources to our veterans and armed forces service personnel. Um, and we do that because um, it is a restful hobby. Uh, it is some some way of uh, connecting with the veterans, and uh, it's, it's also great for the social interaction and and uh, good for your hands. And uh, it's a wholesome hobby. Um, and uh, we we uh, it's, it's doing really well in the UK. And uh, I really hope that um, someone out there could hear this and think it'd be a really good thing to start up. Um, in your neck of the woods, it's uh, yeah, it's fantastic. We, we the hobby has has really helped uh, a lot of our veterans, and uh, yeah, that's so head to the website, which is uh, modelsforheroes.org.uk, and go and see what we do. That's perfect. I'll put that down below because having a hobby, especially through any type of life experience, especially for these uh, veterans is important to keep busy and keep your mind active and have something that can be fulfilling for yourself. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It can be something simple. It can be something, it can be something extravagant. You can build a whole city out of models if you'd like. Whatever you want to do to make yourself feel more at ease, more comfortable, more at peace. And it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if this is accurate, but there was a movie that came out maybe last year or a year before with Steve Carell. Yeah, where yes. he was doing something similar, and if I recall correctly, he was a veteran as well. Was that he was? It? Yes, uh, suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, and I think in the film, his psychotherapist recommends model making. I think, and so he goes off and and discovers this whole world in this this tiny focused world that he can control. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a caper. Well, and with that being said, you've seen? Have you seen the movie? And if so, does it? represent what the hobby should be doing for these veterans um i haven't seen the movie no i've seen trailers and i knew that it was being uh filmed and and, and when it came out but i haven't seen it but um 
yeah, I, I guess it represents the fact that uh, we all need a, a hobby, uh, whether we have you know uh, mental health disorders or a mental health illness or, or anything. Um, we all need a hobby to remain well uh, in our minds. I think it's a, a really important important thing. Winston Churchill uh, said that we all need a hobby that uh, keeps us safe. And uh, Winston Churchill used to do bricklaying for uh, a hobby, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, to keep his him himself uh, relaxed and and uh, in tune. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen the film, but uh, I should, shouldn't I? I really should. I'll write that down. <laughs> I really put you on the spot with that. I was like, yeah, yeah. He, have you seen the filming? Oh, Alex, why'd you ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it reminded me of it, actually, because I guess when you think about model making and veterans, that, that's the first thing you'll think about is that is that film. Now, what was it called? That's the question. We will have to take a look. I'll take a look at it uh, later on. But I'm sure people listening are like, Alex, it's this. You know, by saying this, I was hoping that it was just going to pop up in my head. It did not. But I'll look for it later on and hopefully it'll come up and we can talk about that afterwards. But yes, we're talking about the models themselves. Now, there's different types of models. There's, let's say, anime models. There's comic models. There's realistic life models. So what kind of models do you prefer to make? Uh, scale models that are aircraft. Um, that's what I prefer. I would build aircraft of all different scales and sizes uh, i do build tanks and, and recently in fact i've just been painting some figures um so it started off just being uh scale modeling with uh, aircraft but now it's really kind of branching out to all sorts of different things uh and it's because i enjoy the process of of model making so it doesn't really matter what the thing is as long as i'm making something and uh, yeah, no, that, that's the that's the hobby for me is building things and, and, and creating something with a set of instructions uh, it's not so much about what it is, um, but uh, I, well, I say that my 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 cabinet is full of uh, of modern jets. <laughs> so <laughs> that 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 is my my focus, I suppose. The sort of stuff that um, uh, I would have seen at air shows, my dad, you know, that's the, that's the, the when you see a, a pair of phantoms or uh, a tomcat or something disappear into the clouds at an air show, you remember that, and that's the sort of thing I like to to remember when i'm building the these aircraft is the, the times i spent air shows and things it's interesting you mentioned your father because it uh, well it leads me to ask you was it your father that introduced you to model making yeah so he <laughs> he's um, a railway layout enthusiast so he likes railroads and he's the type of railroad modeler that loves to talk about railroads loves to talk about railways uh, but never actually has built one himself <laughs> <laughs> so but he had all the tools and all the gear and um was was very very happy to buy me a model kit when we went to a shop or christmas it would be a model kit or my birthday it'll be a model kit um so they were quite happy for me to you know sit there with plastic and and uh, a scalpel and cut bits of plastic up and he was quite happy for me to do that and so yeah it's like i kind of grew up with that kind of feeling of, of comfort and uh, relaxation associated with that hobby now do you still own that first model you've ever built or if so you bought it again and rebuilt it just out of nostalgia oh i'd love to it was um it was an airfix westland whirlwind in 172nd scale i haven't bought it again i should really really <laughs> should i'd love to have it i also remember building a f-14 topcat and painting it blue uh for some reason and but the blue that i was using was really glossy and I remember I put it on so thickly, it took oh, months to dry. 
but I still hang it from my ceiling to dry. Um, <laughs> and it just gathered dust. But uh, most of my aircraft were hanging from the ceiling when I was a kid. That's the sort of thing that you, you do when you've got them. I don't know if you ever did that, did you, Alex? For me, I've never done aircrafts, but I have done land vehicles, but it wasn't scale or real. It was more Warhammer whenever oh, I yeah, created yeah. yeah, so I love the whole process of creating the models together and then painting them. And I also enjoyed making the terrain as well. Now, for you, do you also like making terrain or is it strictly just the planes and the crafts? No, well, so um, it's nice to put that plane in a narrative in a story so that would involve having some sort of terrain around it so yeah um we call them dioramas in uh, the scale modeling world and you would have grass and rocks and all that kind of thing so or maybe not with aircraft but you would certainly have some sort of hard standing that the aircraft would be sat on and then you would try and have uh, effects to make it look like it's concrete or it's rained on there or there's oil stains and, and things like that and then also if you had trees in the background you'd want them to be uh, either a bear tree or would you want to have some full of leaves or something so there's lots of uh, uh techniques and things that you actually can learn from the railroad um enthusiasts because they are always building a huge amounts of terrain and what i always try to advocate uh, is the crossover between all these hobbies so you know, if you're interested in warhammer you're going to be using the same paint and the same techniques to paint those little figures as somebody who is painting a, a tank you know, you, you, it's the same uh, process of building. It's the same glue. It's the same type of plastic, essentially. Um, and also same with the railway layouts as well. You know, they, they have terrain. Um, they might have a barn and a station. Um, but And Warhammer, you might have a, a church and as ruins, you know. But it, it's all kind of the same stuff. It's all miniature. And it's all creative. My imagination is running wild right now. I have so many vivid ideas of like what to create. So my question to you is, and it, it might sound very like, oh, this is, I don't like to do this, but I, I, the curiosity got the best of me. Have you ever done, let's say a plan that either like crashed and just like broke some pieces off and just painted that effect of how it would look like in the ground and stuff like that? I know it feels bad to buy a brand new model. And then break it to make it look that way. But has that ever crossed your mind? Um, every single time I build a model, yes. <laughs> every <laughs> single time. Because what happens, Alex, is you'll be building something and you'll snap a wing off. Or you'll snap a, a, a wheel off. Or you'll leave a fingerprint somewhere and you think, oh, how am I going to cover that up? And usually the first thing that comes to mind is I'll put a tarpaulin over that. I'll make a little tarpaulin out of tissue paper and a bit of PVA glue. And put it on there so that, oh maybe it's been damaged somehow and then you, know, you kind of build it up from there but obviously if you break something significant off it just turns into a crash diorama but <laughs> which is absolutely fine you know uh and quite often uh people will do that especially with with armored vehicles it would usually be covered in mud in specific places where there maybe the tracks were missing or or you broke a wheel or something there's always a way around there's always a way around your mistakes um, and that's the kind of fun thing about the hobby, I guess, is that you can you can do anything because it's it's plastic. Plastic is very easy to manipulate and move about. And even if you've broken it, you can still glue it back together. And you can hide a, a myriad of sins with a bit of fake mud <laughs> or a tarpaulin. Well, you said fake mud. Do you also use, let's say, other items as well? Maybe not necessarily real mud, but do you like improvise? You look in your room, you're like, maybe I can use... Plato, for example, to make the effect of something else. 
yeah, always, well, I'm out for a walk with my family. I'm looking out for lichen on the trees. I'm looking down for special roots or twigs that look like something. If it was you know, smaller, special looking rocks, um, I will pick up uh, gravel and sand and things like that. And I'll come back with, you know, a pocket full of, um, you know, like a, a little uh, five-year-old. I have a pocket full of stones and bits and pieces that I found. And it's all, it all goes into a little box, really, for model making. I, I As I sit here... I have a little piece of lichen from a tree that I got recently just growing <laughs> out, and I use that on uh, on uh, figure bases because it looks like uh, it looks like like tumbleweed or something, you know, similar to that in that scale. Anyway, once you reduce it down, yeah. So yeah, always I'm always looking out for things that I could use. <laughs> and to take it a step further, do you also let's say use very small LED lights or even a speaker to replicate the sound of what that aircraft or vehicle would do, or even uh, I don't know. Yeah, just I guess the sound, and yeah, just the sound and the the lights. Mm. So um, uh, I haven't personally ever put lights in. I, I know my, some of my friends and colleagues do. They put lights in, especially if it's a science fiction subject. The idea of having a light on inside with a little window gives it a bit of life, I suppose. And you can also go get little uh, circuit boards that will be bespoke made, and it will blink at a certain speed for a certain type of aircraft so say you were going to build uh, i don't know f-35 uh, the fighters you know the new ones um it would you could buy a, a piece of equipment that would flash in the right sequence for you so if you're building that kit you would have the right sequence same with the sounds as well i mean especially in the railroad industry um the, the railroad model industry i should say you can buy all sorts of different sounds for different sorts of uh, engines and, and diesel trucks and all sorts of things but also the the rolling stock as well that all makes also makes noises so you could have a speaker in every single one and it, as it travels around the track it's brilliant the other thing though uh, don't forget is motors if you have a propeller aircraft it's quite fun to have a little uh, propeller spinning uh, on your corsair or your spitfire or something uh, and th with technology these days the tiny tiniest motors uh, you can get in, uh, fit into almost anything these days. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, I've never done it myself because I don't have that skill, I don't think, really, to kind of put those sort of things in place. I quite like the, just the static kind of look. You can buy uh, what's called photo etch propellers that look like they're going around, as if they've been photographed and they've got blur to them. And that kind of looks like it's in motion. Uh, some people quite like that effect, but no, I, I haven't I haven't done that. The, the most I do is just not glue the propellers so they will spin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just flick it with your finger. There you go. And then also, like you said, with the technology, you could always also have maybe even the wheels come out as well. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, just you like, could. a little press of a yeah. button, boop, and it comes out. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I mean, if you had it, you know, if it was in flight and you had a diorama that was in flight, then yes, <laughs> the wheels come up and down would be great if it's landing or taking off. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. You like it. It's like a photograph. It's frozen in time and it's just, it tells a story in itself. I completely understand that. And you were mentioning that they come in different styles as well. Have you ever, let's say, considered having a 3D model version that you would build yourself? Like you would just print out the pieces, but it can be in any like aircraft. If you had like, oh, I like this aircraft, but what if it had the wings of this other aircraft? It's like just making your own design for fun, whether it's accurate or not accurate. Yeah. It's certainly going to be something that's going to happen in the future, I think, with 3D printing. You, you will be able to say, hey, I want a, a hurricane on my shelf. And then you go to your 3D printer, press a button, and that pops. 
I think the 3D printers will be in everyone's houses, just like microwaves are uh, in the future. But yeah, you, um, yes, uh, you certainly can do scratch build, you know, cut pieces of plastic and add bits and things like that to uh, different uh, vehicles to make them different variants, perhaps, or later later variants of, of different vehicles you can add bits to. The 3D printing, there is a, a really great website. It's nothing to do with me, but uh, it's called uh, heroforge.com. And you can go on there and you can build your own character as for uh, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. You can build your own character. You can put your own different weapons on there, change the face, the pose, all those kind of things. You hit a button and you can download the STL file for a, a five pounds or something. And then you can print it out. So you can have it in your hand within a couple of hours of the thing that you made on a computer, which is incredible. You know what? I did that. <laughs> you did. I did that for a D and D campaign for one of my characters. That's another thing. I, I also do D and D as well. <laughs> oh, I can imagine your D and D adventures involve so many of your models as well. Well, most of our stuff is done on on computer, so it's it's all on uh, Roll Twenty. But uh, a friend of mine uh, printed out uh, the the character that I made on Hero Forge, and I only did it just to get the profile picture. You know, when you're playing online, you want to have a picture of your character, right? So instead of drawing it or finding another one, I used Hero Forge just for the picture, and then he printed it out. So now I've got an actual actual model of my uh, my dwarf that I play. You know what we're doing? We're just establishing that model making comes in all shapes and sizes and is so fun and versatile. You can use it for so many different things. You're getting me like nostalgia for all the things I've used to do with models. But you know what? It's not about my <laughs> love for just creation. It's all about you. So a question I did write down was how big is your current collection? I'm looking at it now. Um, <laughs> I would say so imagine uh, like a meter square, no, half a meter square cabinet that reaches the ceiling and there's probably 12 shells in there made of glass and it is full of aircraft and science fiction and um uh, figures and dioramas and all sorts so it's it's uh, there's probably about 100 models in there i'd say uh, and that's over the last uh, five five years or something like that that i've been uh, really into the hobby and, and keeping the things that i've been making uh, usually it'd be it'd be made and then it'd be thrown away because I just enjoyed the, the process. But I'm actually keeping them now. It's interesting when you sort of talk about the collection. Uh, it's not really the collection for me to have it on the shelf to, to have it finished. I re- I'm more now into the process of building um, and and the, the application of paint and trying to do different techniques and things like that. It is nice to have the aircraft that I did see at air shows and and to have little dioramas made that I can show off, but. For me, it's more about the building side of things and, and making the things. And what I do with uh, Models of Heroes is all about the, the process. It's all about the, the enjoyment of the hobby, which can come in you know many, many, many ways, as, as we just said. And of course, on the process aspect, there's the actual building process and then there's the painting process. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to the painting process, do you try to stick to the original colors of the aircrafts or do you like to sometimes improvise and add your own variation your own little malcolm touch i personally uh, i like to try and stick with uh, historical representation so i was building a diorama recently of a ju-88 bomber uh, which is a, a german world war ii bomber that had been um shot out the sky 
uh, in Kent in England, and it had landed and it had some uh, Germans on board. And uh, they they got out of their aircraft and started using the, the guns on the aircraft to destroy a, a bomb site. And just down the road in a pub were some um, uh, officers that were uh, billeted in there. And they came out and thought they were under fire from these guys who just <laughs> landed this, that crashed this bomber. So they returned fire. And it was the last time that it was ever a, a firefight on English soil between another country, <laughs> interestingly enough. But I wanted to recreate that uh, that crashed uh, bomber because I had that model, the GO88 model uh, made by Revel. So, yes, I, I, I researched into the story behind this, and I read that the aircraft was shot down by hurricanes. And so I had to look up what size weapons those hurricanes had, what size um, uh, ammunition, so I could work out how big the bullet holes would have been. I also found out that it was destroyed by... Uh, it came at the sky because the oil filter had been punctured, so I had to find out where the oil filter was on a JU-88 and make sure there was a bullet hole in there. And also, I, I know I know from the stories that the the guy, the Germans, uh, surrendered, and they put their weapons on the wing and then walked away. And so I made sure that there were the weapons were still sat on the wing, and also the, the propeller had gone through the bomb bay as well when it had crashed. Um, so I made sure that was replicated and you know, things like that, you know. Um, and it's really fun to try and recreate something from just a black and white picture from, you know, 50, 60 years ago, hundreds of years ago, uh, and then try and make it into a, a 3D scene. All those little details you try and try and, try and find out. And it's, uh, I guess it's all about history and stories and you know, there's a human element, obviously, in everything. And of course, once you're done, you get to step back and take a look at it and really appreciate not only your work, but like the historic meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I attend a lot of model shows in the United Kingdom. So it'll be a place where they have a sports hall and they put a load of tables out and all the local clubs can join and put their models out. And then everyone walks around the tables and has a good old chat and looks at everyone's work. But what I like to do is when I put that out, I also have the book that I uh, bought that has this story in. So I put the book next to the model so people could see what the model was made from. And of course, the, the story is quite a fascinating one anyway. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. So you mentioned conventions. So there's a lot of people there who make models. So has it ever happened that you've gone through a convention or even just online, you saw some very interesting techniques and then you decided to apply on your own models. So with that being said, what are some interesting new techniques that you've learned and you use now? Ah, well, interesting new. Te- now, I wouldn't say they're new, but um, the, when I <laughs> when I started you, the hobby, new to you, yeah, new to me. <laughs> well, possibly new to your listeners as well. But it's something <laughs> called the hairspray technique. And now I I know the the way that you weigh your hair, Alex, is, is yes. you probably don't know what hairspray <laughs> is. Uh, the beard, the beard, yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. yes. <laughs> so the hairspray technique. So what that is, if you want to get realistic looking chipped paint in a scale. You'd paint your, uh, let's say you're doing a tank. You'd paint your tank in the color that you want the chip ping to be, okay? Uh, so the underlying layer of paint. You paint it on that, and then you cover it in hairspray, okay? So you spray it with hairspray. Don't tell your partner. Don't tell your wife. <laughs> yeah, she needs it. And you, um, you wait for that to dry, and then you paint the actual color of the paint you want it to be. Then, once that's dry, you then use a, um, a really reasonably stiff brush like a stippling brush or something, a very small one, and you, you just use water. 
And as you um, rub the brush onto the paint, the water activates the hairspray underneath and lifts. And so you can get very accurate, uh, good-looking chipping effects by just doing that. And you can have quite good control over it as well. And because um, it's kind of a random effect, you don't end up uh, with uh, sort of blobs, you know, in a kind of a pattern. It comes up in a, in a random way, which is a brilliant thing. It's, it's quite funny. When I first heard about it, I didn't, didn't, didn't believe it until I tried it myself. But it certainly works. So, yeah, there you go. The hairspray technique. And that's the best part because when you learn something new, you're like, whoa, think of the possibilities of the things I can create. So have you ever, let's say, in the middle of the process of creating something, you're like, I want to make this effect, but I haven't learned anybody else doing this. What if I tried this? Like you look at something on your house, let's say a spoon, and you're like, what if I can make, I don't know why a spoon. I have a spoon in front of me. I'm like, uh, so you look at a spoon, like, well, how could I integrate something cool with the spoon with the effect, like spray paint around the spoon? I don't know. Like, just has it ever happened to you that you just look around your house and try to figure out with the items you have to find a new technique? Hmm, not really. Maybe the tools around my house I, I, I use, I would say. Uh, certainly with um, when, you're, when you're trying to file down the, some plastic, you're trying to get it to fit in a certain way with another piece. Um, quite often I'll use a kitchen knife or something to, to scrape the plastic down because my little hobby knives are just not enough. Or uh, I'll use one of my you know, big proper drills uh, to drill a hole in something, you know, but uh, I don't think, no, not, not techniques, no. Watch, watch you right after this episode, just walk around your house like, hmm, what can I use? Paperclip? Mm -hmm. A piano, ooh. <laughs> that, that's true, yes, that's right, yeah. Um, well, piano wire, <laughs> use. Yeah. I don't know if they'd be happy if you just take out the piano wire. <laughs> no, no. Well, no one needs the, the end notes, do they? Yeah, 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 they're overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. You leave your middle C, that would just be, that would just be horrible. But um, if you uh, buy uh, guitar strings, if you buy the, the, the wound ones, they look like rope uh, in, a, in a certain scale. So um, it's quite useful, uh, quite ordinary to buy some guitar strings to make them look like some rope. So for me, a couple of months ago, I bought some copper mesh to put around my house for little holes in the weeping holes. But they're so thin. I'm thinking that could be useful for model making. They're very thin. It's copper. So if if it's an idea. <laughs> there, anyways, it's right in front of yeah. me. That's why I looked at it. Uh, but yes, back to you. Uh, this might be a tough question, but what is your favorite model uh it's the revel f15e in 148 scale and why that one not a tough question at all um <laughs> why that one yeah uh it is a beautiful aircraft it's the f15 eagle it's american aircraft the, well, the model itself will just fall together uh the the tolerances and the fit in the plastic is perfect um it's a a really well made uh and put together um set of instructions with it as well it builds up to a lovely looking aircraft, uh, loads of flat surfaces, so you can get lots of different uh, paint effects and modulation on the on the on the on the top. Yeah, it's just a, a beautiful model to make. It's a joy. It doesn't fight you at all. There's nothing you have to clip off or or look out for. None of the parts you have to uh, none of the parts at all that you have to kind of manipulate or, or change to fit. It's it, it's almost like if you put a bottle of glue in the box and shook it, it will come out perfect. You know, it's that it's that good. 
It's my desert island kit. I would build that uh, over and over again. So yeah, actually speaking about bu- building it over and over again, have you bought multiple versions or multiple kits of that and just to rebuild it and even, maybe even do slightly different designs or practice things just to have a different perspective of your favorite model? Yeah, so I have in my dreams. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, I don't. I, unfortunately, I don't have the finances to build a bill, but buy them. But I would if I did. Uh, I, I would quite happily have a stack of those F15Es and just have a maybe a, a diorama of, of six or seven lined up, ready to go. You know what? I'm going to be Oprah Winfrey right now. Look under your chair. It's the model. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know how she says, "Look under your chair. It's a free yeah. car." <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah. You know? If only I had that power, that would be wonderful. <laughs> and it'd be the wrong one. And I whispered yeah, to my friend, I said, don't worry, we can exchange it then. <laughs> and to create these models, what kind of tools you have, like, do you use? I'm sure you mentioned a few of them, but what are your go-to tools? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm terrible for buying tools that I don't use. Uh, absolutely terrible. I think it's a common, common issue. But one of the best tools that I have uh, is called a reverse tweezer. Now, do you know what a reverse tweezer is? Yes, it's the things that put splinters into your skin. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, that that, I see where you're going with that. Yes, I I understand what you're saying. No, yeah, Uh, a a reverse tweezer is if you imagine a set of tweezers, uh, it looks like tongs, doesn't it? You know, Um, but imagine that that instead of where they meet, they cross over and then meet. On their backs almost so as you as you squeeze them they actually open and then when you let go they close so they are always under tension closed which means you can put a figure or a, a, a something that you are painting into these tweezers and the tweezers will naturally hold the thing you're holding which also then gives you a handle to hold so if you're using an airbrush or you're spraying or something you can keep your hand out of the way it doesn't get covered in pain um, but also it's very easy to be able to mi- manipulate that art when it's being reverse tweezered um to be able to get to all the different parts very easily with a brush as well um so those are my those are my top tips for tools certainly and i have way too many of them <laughs> well yeah you're right because it's a lot smaller than your fingers because if you put your finger on it you're also running the chance of adding fingerprints like you mentioned yeah yeah you don't want that well, well, unless you want to mark your model as your own, then yeah, fingerprints <laughs> is what you want. You put a giant thumbprint on every single one of your models. You're like, yeah, this is accurate. <laughs> There's a giant somewhere in history just thumbprinting all these models. <laughs> well, that's right. So that's mine. That's definitely mine. That's mine. <laughs> it's almost like a signature, you know. <laughs> yeah, if there's a crime scene, you have your thumbprint everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can look at, oh, he's a model maker. I can get all his fingerprints off <laughs> And for you, what would you say is the best part about building models? Oh, wow. That's a fantastic question. Um, There are so many benefits, so many. So it's restful. It focuses my mind in in, in a way that nothing else really does because you're following instructions. You're following a a set sort of pattern almost. Um, It requires a lot of concentration and a lot of very fine motor skills. So it's really hard to think about anything while you're doing it. You're only concentrating on the thing in front of you. So you're in the present. Uh, and it's kind of like a meditative state that you get into. I don't know if you if you do much meditation or, or anything like that, but it's hard to under, it's hard to describe uh, the, the kind of the state that you get into. But you're not thinking about anything else. 
you're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're thinking about what's right in front of you right now. And uh, that's quite a rare, a rare thing, I think, in this kind of modern life that we're in. And so that, that's possibly what I l- really like about it is that little world that you can create in front of you. And you have complete control over that world as well. You can decide what color it is. You can decide how it looks, where it, you know, everything about it. And that's kind of the fun as well is, is developing the skills and techniques and, and getting the tools that you can are able to manipulate the plastic and into a way that you want it to be. You know, you've got it in your mind how it wants to look. And if you keep practicing, it will look eventually. The thing will look like what you want it to look like. Well, whenever that happens, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm here. Just reach out to me. And you're absolutely right. A big part about hobbies is just living in the moment. Like right now, we are living in the moment. My house can be on fire. I wouldn't know. Probably be a bad thing, but probably the internet would cut out. Then I would know. But other than that, just living in the moment makes the hobby more enjoyable. Absolutely. So quite often, I'll sit down to uh, paint something and uh, my my wife will be in the room and then I'll look up and she'll be in bed and it'll be nighttime (laughs) and uh, the dinner is in the dock and, you know, I'm sleeping on the sofa. Um, And the time can just disappear (laughs) completely because... You'll just focus so much, I guess you just lose complete concept of time. <laughs> Time's overrated, right? Who needs time? Yeah. yeah. yeah time well, already reached well, my head. Hair's all gone. <laughs> time, Time's way, way too fast on my body. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started your hobby? Stopping when I think that the model is complete. So uh, what I do a lot is, is what's called weathering. So I'll, I'll paint the model as normal, uh, but it'll look like it's just been built. It looks just like it's just out of the showroom, okay, or the factory. Um, and, but I want to make it look like it's been used. I want to make it look like it's had a story. I want to make it look like it's been either in action and in, 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 in conflict or it's been through space or whatever, you know. So I want to weather it. Learning how to stop weathering is something I've really struggled with because it's quite easily overweathered. You can almost destroy the paintwork underneath. You can always make it look so you can't even tell what color it was anymore. And learning that subtlety, uh, I found quite hard because it was so fun doing the weathering. You know, <laughs> it's, it's fun putting those rust streaks on and it's fun uh, bashing it up a little bit so it looks a bit more real. And uh, learning to stop was, was my thing. The same kind of idea goes for podcasting, editing audio. It's the same thing. You could over-edit. Uh, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> yes. You think, God, do, do these guys never breathe? <laughs> no, no. It's just one continuous breath from the beginning. Like, that's the part I cut out where I go <gasps> for like a solid yes. five minutes to get in all the air I need for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, nobody says, uh, or, um, of course, in a, in, a, in a perfect podcast, do they? Yeah, 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 that doesn't exist anymore. Um, nope. See, that's I was leading into another word. I just didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say the <laughs> other word. <laughs> and this is a question I love asking now. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? I wish that I knew then when I started. If you buy a model kit, if you don't touch it, if you just put it on a shelf, and when you're ready to build it, then you build it, the value of that kit will remain. Okay, so... If you but if you open that kit and start building a little bit and then go oh well, you know I'll finish that another time, you can't sell that kit for the same amount of money that you bought it for. So it depreciates in value massively once you start working on that. It's very hard to sell uh, started model kits. You know if you change your mind that you don't want to build it anymore, 
so my tip is, <laughs> which I wish I knew when I started, is buy the kit, and when you're ready to build it, then you build it, uh, rather than just doing a bit and putting it back, because the price will go down. The thing about second-hand kits is that they relatively will hold their price. If it's brand new and you buy it brand new, then obviously not. But a second-hand kit will hold almost hold its price that you bought it for. Sometimes it can go up, depending on how rare the model kit is. Well, speaking about the kits themselves and getting them, what is your preferred method to get new kits? Do you buy them, let's say, on eBay or local shops or any other websites or places? I really like to support my local hobby shops. I love a hobby shop. I love a model shop. I love to go in and look at just browse uh, all these fantastic things that you can build and look at the vast array of different types of vehicles and figures and things. And a hobby shop, I know, just feels like a like a home almost i don't know uh, it feels very relaxing feels uh, feels really nice to be in so i like to support a hobby shop if i can sometimes though if you want to buy a certain type of kit that hobby shop might not have that particular kit so you do have to go online ebay is really good there's lots of groups on facebook as well that sell different uh, niche models yeah i mean the the usual places uh, to go for secondhand stuff i would say the other one is uh, charity shops are fantastic for, for model kits. You can find some real nice gems in there. Uh, car boot sales uh, we have over here in the UK. Do you know what a car boot sale is? I can imagine it's not putting two, uh, splinters back into your skin. Uh, it's, no. no. <laughs> so let me take another wild guess. It sounds very car boot sale. Okay, I'm imagining somebody with their car opens up the trunk and has a bunch of models and you just buy it. There you go. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So you, you you fill whatever you want to sell that day into your car. You drive somewhere. You open up your trunk, um, and you sell from there. Uh, and, and everyone lines up in a car park almost, and you have like a big sale. So yeah, there's lots of car boot sales in, in the UK, and uh, you can find all sorts of fantastic bargains. People have started hobbies and then changed their mind, and they want to make them some space. That's the place you want to be because uh, you can find some awesome things. And also with these local shops, you not only just go in and buy the models, you also build a community because I'm sure after you've gone in a few times, you start to recognize the people going in and you share ideas and just converse and have this bond. Yeah, I've made so many friends in this hobby, so many friends um, because they have a similar interest or they have a, a historical interest or a similar interest in a vehicle. Yeah, that you have that that kind of bond and obviously you know, sharing tips and ideas and tricks and, and sometimes sharing models and sharing paint and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean hobby shops are, are great for that but also online now as well there's lots of facebook groups and web pages and things that you can go to to discuss your interests which is one of the things that social media is fantastic for is is people sharing their hobbies and you know what this sounds weird but thanks to the pandemic it uh, probably attracted more people to the hobby i say thanks to the pandemic it sounds like a weird thing to say but for the current situation we're in i'm sure there's a lot more people who got into the hobby who are trying it out and some people maybe not liking it but some other people are loving it i imagine a lot of people got back into the hobby that they perhaps dropped when they were kids because suddenly they got nothing to do I, I can't work because I'm a furlough. I can't. I can't go out. What do I do? So um, buying a couple of kits on the, on Amazon or eBay or something was probably a, a, the way to go. If you look at the share price of Hornby, that's certainly the case. 
<laughs> they, lots of uh, model manufacturers have benefited from increased sales uh, during lockdown. But uh, in saying that, also, there's been a shortage of, of all sorts of different things for, for modeling. There's um, a shortage of paint, a shortage of glue, uh, lots of uh, supply difficulties. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting how the pandemic has made an impact on the hobby and the way that people spend their time as well. I think it, it is changed too. I think people are more, uh, more happy to spend at home uh, and more comfortable being at home. And not feeling too guilty, you know, you can still work from home, but you can also do some hobbies at home as well. Uh, I've certainly seen an increase in the amount of people that are coming into the hobby and asking questions and things like that. So, like, I've seen a lot of people reach out to me who want to be a guest on my podcast because I talk about hobbies. They're like, "Oh, I just picked up this old hobby again. I'd love to talk about it." And that's why I'm here <laughs> to have awesome that's people right. like you. <laughs> oh, I'm honoured. <laughs> well, you know, um, I guess your hobby is uh, podcasting, so um, you should almost interview yourself one day. Well, it's funny you say that because this is episode 181, my 200th episode. What I'm going to be doing is I'm, I'm going to have my first guest ever interview me about my <laughs> hobby, just just That's like a great. celebration of the 200th episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's great! I can't wait. I'll, I will listen in. Awesome. And for you, what is your current biggest challenge with model making? Finding the time. Oh, not, I shouldn't say finding time. I, I should say making the time for it. Part of learning to be uh, a strong, having a strong mental health ethic and uh, having being mentally resilient is looking after yourself and allowing yourself to have time to do the things you enjoy. And the only way you can do that is by making the time and sitting down at your workbench and doing a hobby rather than hoping that you'll find a, a spare half an hour somewhere you have to say no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit in front of the telly tonight i am gonna do and do some hobbies that's that's the thing and what is the most stressful part about building models you drop the tiniest smallest uh, <laughs> belt buckle and it lands on the floor and you don't really know whereabouts it landed so you carefully remove yourself from your chair. You get down on your hands and knees, and if you've got a if you've got a carpet, you're going to be going through all the little tufts of the carpet. And in in the hobby, we call that the the uh, the carpet monster. <laughs> and if you can't find that piece, then it will either turn up in a years later um, somewhere, uh, or it'll be in the Hoover, um, or you'll have to end up scratch building that piece that you lost. That is incredibly frustrating because as, you know what happens as soon as you finish building mm -hmm. that piece. Yeah. As soon as you finish building that piece, <laughs> what's going to happen? You're going to find it. <laughs> of course you are. You'll have two then. And that is frustrating. It's almost like uh, there's uh, the hobby god is laughing at you. <laughs> you know what? I just pictured for a moment when you said you dropped like that belt buckle and you're like, where is it? And then the next night, a mouse has it. The mouse has a new nice butt, bu uh, butt buckle, a belt buckle, a butt buckle. That would not, I don't know what that is. Sorry, this is not that kind of podcast. No, that's a different, different, different show. Maybe he has it as an earring or something, you know, a little yeah. bit of jaunty uh, jewelry. There's somewhere, there's somewhere in your house, a mouse with all these like tools and like a little sword, a tank for some reason, just an actual tank. You know, so many pizzas have been dropped that he's now able to make his own army. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna come out in the middle of the night and attack your models <laughs> i was i'll tell you a little story i was building a, a tank an aircraft tanker or a fueling aircraft okay and it's the ones that have the long booms that come at the back and then they can refuel 
aircraft in the air. And uh, this one um, had quite a, a, a stiff boom design with the little wings on it. And I was building that, and I clipped it off the sprue, and it went ping, and it, it just vanished from my sight, almost like magic, you know, gone. And I didn't see which direction it went. I didn't see if it went on the desk. I didn't see if it went on the floor. So I said, guys, I've, I've lost a part, because I was with uh, three or four other chaps, and I said, uh, I've lost a part. So everyone kind of sits, gets down on the floor and gets their mobile phone out with a torch and looks, couldn't find it. I, I was looking for a good 20 minutes. I was checking the corners, checking the edges, making sure it wasn't anywhere on the desk, couldn't see it. Starts thinking, crack, I have to rebuild this thing. But I mean, it wasn't too bad because it was just like a long rod um, that I can use. Uh, I could use a bit of sprue to make it. So I was going to start to re rebuild it. And someone said to me, um, oh, Mal, do you want a cup of tea? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you can use my cup. So I lifted my cup up and I finished my <laughs> tea. I, I knew the dregs are, it's in the bottom of the cup. <laughs> so somehow I had tiddlywinked that little uh, plastic up into the air and into the cup. And I, I didn't even notice it. So uh, I was happy that I had it, but I wasn't very happy that I didn't swallow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could imagine. And I was just thinking for a moment, it might not be the best solution, but maybe somebody who is in the model making industry, maybe this is a cool idea for this type of problem, maybe make the pieces somewhat glow in the dark. So let's say if you ever lose a belt buckle, all you have to do is like shine a bunch of light in the general area and then turn it off and it would glow and you can find it. Now that's, that's actually quite a good idea because you could put some sort of UV chemical into the plastic and just use the UV light to be able to find it. Oh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah because and then after that you can just paint over it once it's done because all the pieces will be on there but during the building process sometimes you lose pieces and that's an easy way to find it yeah that would be brilliant the only trouble is is if it's painted and you drop it, yeah. you don't want to find it. <laughs> then then you're on your own <laughs> <laughs> then, then you need to buy our uv paint uh, yeah exactly. that has UV that's the whole uv industry just coming up with that <laughs> <laughs> the forensics People are uh, yeah, all over that. Now, this is one of my favorite questions. What are some misconceptions about people who build models? There's a stigma, certainly, with model making. It's somebody who kind of recluse, is a recluse, sits in their little room, sits in their little room and builds models on their own. That's probably the stigma and the, and the stereotype of a model builder, I would thought. Same with like the you know, war gamers as well, built, you know, painting your little figures, which is. It can't be further from the truth, to be honest. I am certainly no geek. <laughs> Funny because a lot of people think it's a it's a it's a it's a reclusive hobby, but certainly it's not. It's a sociable hobby. There's loads of clubs you can join. I've made loads of friends. Um, I'm always talking to people about uh, all sorts of different things and getting involved in people's sort of lives and helping them out and all that kind of thing. So it certainly isn't um, the kind of the, the stigma that you see uh, in films and, and media. Yeah, and then people come in all shapes and sizes from different walks of life, and they pick up this hobby. It's a hobby for everyone. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very accessible. It's wholesome. You know, <laughs> it's not expensive either. You can pick up some very basic tools for a couple of quid. And the kits, obviously, can be expensive. Depends what you buy. But if you, if you imagine the amount of time that you could spend on making a model compared to the amount of time you say go to the cinema, the amount of money is completely different, completely vastly different. The amount of hours that you can get out of just a few pounds spent is huge. So yeah, I'd recommend the hobby to everybody. Same here. That's exactly why I have you here, to just recommend it to everybody. Absolutely, yeah. This, okay, you said other questions I've asked you weren't that hard, but maybe this one will stump you. 
What has building models taught you in life? Patience. It's taught me that if you keep trying and you keep working on something and don't repeat your mistakes, have patience, um, you can pretty much complete anything. You can do anything you want. Model making has taught me you will fail if you give up. If you if you give up, then you are going to fail. Um, the biggest mistake you can make, I guess, is is to give up. Um, pick one of those things that I just said. <laughs> but yeah, patience, I think, uh, is a big one because it, it takes time. These you can't just put a model together in in a couple of hours. Well, depends what it is, but generally you can't. Uh, and patience and time and 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 practice. So those those are the kind of things that's taught me. And I guess that's kind of gone into other parts of my life as well like being a dad you know you've got to be patient <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm sure you are finding out you have to be considerate and, and, and thoughtful and take your time with things and yeah yeah I, it's a good life lesson uh, the hobby can teach you model making like life is a marathon you just gotta go <laughs> at it at your own pace <laughs> yeah that's good yeah yeah do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Yeah, so watch lots of videos on YouTube. If you if you bought a kit, okay, so some say someone's bought you a model kit for Christmas or for your birthday, and you look at it and go, I have no idea where to start. It looks just so complicated. I do not know. Just type in the name of that model kit into uh, YouTube or Google and watch some videos of people who have made that kit. There's a huge community of people who um, will video themselves building it and talk about the problems that they're having while they're going. So when you come to do it, you can go, oh, I need to look out for that bit because that bit doesn't fit. Uh, and then, and then of course, you, you skip that frustration and you'll enjoy that model much, much, much better. So that's my, my advice is to do your research on the model kit. And speaking about research of not just the models, we've asked this question at the beginning of the episode. I'm sure people would love to do research on you and what you have to offer. Do you have any social media links, websites, projects, charity, podcasts, anything at all that you would love to reshare again with the listeners? Um, yeah, so um, I obviously I volunteer for Models for Heroes. who provide model kits to um, veterans and emergency service personnel. Uh, we do that as a, a sort of curative hobby, um, a restful hobby, and uh, kind of removes the financial difficulties of uh, the hobby that people can have at the beginning because it can be, can be expensive. Uh, we like to help them with um, you know, all the basic tools and a few kits and things and get them started. And uh, the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm into is uh, podcasting as well, Alex, as we had a little conversation before we started. Uh, it's called Just Making Conversation. And it's a podcast about making. So it's just making conversation. <laughs> kind of a play on words. But it's me and my uh, very good friend, James. And we talk about model making. Um, we talk about why we like model making. We talk about the interests and uh, facets of model making. We talk about the, the, the misconceptions, like we just said. We talk about tips and tools and things we bought. And what's interesting is we can talk forever about the hobby that we really like while we're not actually doing the hobby. <laughs> so we can talk about it almost as much as uh, we can do it, which is because uh, yeah, we both love it. But yeah, it's called Just Making Conversation. It's, it's all over the place in, in terms of podcast distribution. Well, you know what? I'll put that down below so it'll be even easier for people to go check it out. And now, since you mentioned that, I fully expect you guys to talk about the UV light and the glow-in-the-dark pieces. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, look out, look out for it in your hobby shop. It'll be uh, the the special UV plastic kit that you can't lose. In uh, <laughs> of course, you have to buy the torch as well. Obviously, look at that. And on the box, it'll it'll say it was mentioned on some podcast by some bald guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, it'll be a it'll be as seen on Part of your <laughs> hobby podcast. It has a big sticker on the front. As seen with your ears. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, featured on. Yeah. There you go. No, no. As seen with your ears. We'll we'll, we'll keep it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Okay. I'll put all those down below so people can go check that out and show you some love. And now for the last question: Do you have any questions for me about model building? Yeah, I do. Why did you stop doing your Warhammer the models? That is a good question. I was really into it. I think I was more into just building the models and then I wanted to get into playing as well, but nobody else was playing the game. Ah, uh, yes. So the moment that nobody else was playing it, I kind of just lost interest because I really want to share. It's, it's weird. It's kind of like a language. You learn a language, but if you don't have anybody to practice with, you kind of lose it. Yeah. Was that was that before um, social media came along? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was right. this was quite before social media. Yeah. Yeah. If social media was there, you'd be quite easily find somebody else to play with. You know, you go to a Facebook group in your area and say that, guys, I'm looking for uh, a club or group or somebody else to play with. And there'll be somebody there going, oh, thank God. I'm in the same boat as you. Before social media, you just had to rely on magazines. Or you know what? I was born at the wrong time for social media and model making, but I was born at the right time for making this podcast to talk about model making with people like you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, hey, it's never too late to get back into that hobby. Uh, there's, it's, it's still as awesome as it always was, as Alex. So you know, don't don't feel like you've you've missed out because there's always time to go back. Well, I'm an individual who loves trying new things. And of course, my son just won, but he'll be older someday. That's how age works. And I would love to try different things with him. And I think that's like a thing parents do. They pick up their hobby, a hobby with their kid. I remember my dad ended up doing Taekwondo with me just to have that father-son moment. Yeah. And I, I bet he was very proud of teaching you the different moves and seeing you kind of develop and, and, and start kicking his butt. <laughs> <laughs> well for him he had a bad knee so he just he did it just like we joined a class so he did it to be like this is an activity i'm doing with my son but then he's like oh yeah I'm, well my knee can't do this okay alex and like and i'm like look what i can do he's like nope don't show me that <laughs> <laughs> well is that an excuse though because you start to get stronger and more skilled Yes, but I think it's a father thing or a parent thing where like when I play basketball with my father, when I'm about to win, he's like, ah, you know what? It's dinner time. Oh, you know what? The ball is deflated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, we both know he's lying. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> chest. <laughs> and then to, to five the minutes time? later, he's like bench pressing and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, uh, similar. Uh, I remember playing chess with my dad. Um, and we used to play chess every night for years. And once uh, I beat him and I remember him wanting to change the rules of the, <laughs> the games that we've been playing for so long and say, oh, no, the, we, uh, I didn't let go of that piece. It's like, actually, no, I saw you let go. You, you, that has to go back now. And I now win. Uh, we never play again. I think, I think uh, he wanted to get to the point and teach me to chess, play chess to a level that I could beat him. And then we didn't play anymore. 
<laughs> that's, that's our duty as a parent. <laughs> uh, perhaps, yes. So, yes, to bring them up and uh, teach them better than, than, than we have been, perhaps. But they cannot say. beat us. Yes, that's that's the record. We hold the record of winning every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if they if they ever want us to stop playing with them, then they then they ever beat us. And if they, yeah. want, they want us to stop, they'll beat us. <laughs> so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Malcolm, for coming on and just sharing this wonderful moment with me. It was awesome. I loved it. It was very nostalgic, and I cannot thank you enough. You're welcome, Alex. It's great. Thank you very much. I can't wait to uh, uh, hear the podcast once it's edited and uh, not over-edited. I <laughs> yes, I will try my best to not over-edit it, as sometimes I get to myself. But yes, either way, in the meantime, <laughs> or in the meantime, once this episode comes out, you guys go show Malcolm some love. I'll put all the links down below, so it'll be very easy to find. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you'd like to show some support, you can leave a review, good or bad, I'll take it. And I also have a Patreon and a merch store, Redbubble, where I sell merchandise of Time for Your Hobby stuff on things you do not need. So maybe one day you'll be on models. The most under, like you'll be the like underpriced thing. Like it's not, no, not even underpriced. It's going to be the wor- most worthless thing to have my logo on any model. So you know what? Don't, don't buy my uh, model time for your hobby. Yeah, exactly. Malcolm's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> once again, I, I cannot thank you enough, Malcolm, for coming on. It's, it's been great. Thank you very much. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>